Hi, everyone. Before we start this week's episode of Back to Back, make sure you check out other podcasts within our podcasting family. Zillennial Cannon, where Kira and Adam discuss films on the millennial Gen Z cusp and how it shaped them as film fans. Aggressively Okay, where Adam and Joe cover all things pop culture and film. SeltzerCast, where Sean and Agass explore the bubbly world of seltzer. Dan for Life, where Nick, and sometimes Lauren, interview a guest through the lens of the seminal text, Dan in Real Life. Moody's Pod, where Nick and Aaron take the classic Amanda Show segment, Moody's Point, and break it down episode by episode. Dadcast, where Jillian and a guest sit down to review a movie your dad probably fell asleep to on the couch. The Featured Players where Bram, Beth, and Brendan talk about the weekly status of Saturday Night Live's featured cast. And I Was Scared too, a horror movie podcast hosted by Kids Cinema and Mr. Movies, a.k.a. Fashion JZT, where they talk about all sorts of spooky, scared movies. Thank you so much, everyone. Hope you enjoy this episode. Where's Zach? Zach and Courtney. Where's Zach? Zach and Courtney. Zach and Courtney. Zach and Courtney. Who are they really talking? Hello. Hey. I have to ask. I was going to ask before we started recording, but I figured it'd be better on air. Are you wearing a Dave Matthews Band t shirt? <laughs> um. Real fans call him Dave. <laughs> <laughs> to to answer the question, yes. Fuck. Like, <laughs> I showed full gut. Yes, I am wearing a Dave Matthews Van shirt. Wait, look at the back. It's really cool. Can I want to see, see the it? back. I want to see. Okay, go off. So, I do like it. <laughs> I don't know what's going on in Dave Matthews' career right now, but he's apparently low enough that he did a concert in my hometown which is the most like middle of nowhere bumfuck town that devoted like all of its funding to instead of like making the town like look better or nicer or fixing actual problems we had instead they just funneled it all towards like a concert venue like type place and so he played there and i thought wow dave's really uh Really falling off, huh? But so I just went and I got a t-shirt and I left. <laughs> oh, I'd have to say. That's Hello? it, right? Crash into me. Isn't that Dave Matthews, man? You've um, got uh, your ball. You've got your chain. <laughs> um, Are you referring to the David Cronenberg movie of no. the same name? No, Crash? I'm not. Are no. you referring to the 2004 Academy Award no. upsetting movie Crash. <laughs> no. I have never seen David Cronenberg's Crash, which is shocking, but I have seen half of the Academy Award winning Crash. It's not even the fact that you haven't seen the Cronenberg one. It's not even the fact that you've seen the bad Crash. You've seen half of the bad exactly. Crash. Exactly, yeah. That's the real takeaway here. My dad was like, it won an Oscar. Like, what can be so bad about it? And we could not get through it. Oh, that is such a real thing, especially with like, like my mom's kind of like that too. It's like, it, it won awards. Like we should check it out. And I'm like, okay. And then like, so it's just bad. I don't recommend it. Um, <laughs> I would like to start off today 
of course. With the news. And Bax's not really doing anything. Uh, he was at the beach, which is good for him. Take your, you don't need to be doing anything. But our favorite Beck pod- wasn't back into news today. No, our favorite podcast villain Liam Gallagher. Um, there's mm. a lot developing. Uh, so yeah, what's he up to? If you if y'all don't know, Liam Gallagher really likes the snow, and he's been very upset that it hasn't snowed. Um. Like he keep people keep saying like what do you want to do today, Liam? Or like what do you want? And he just says snow like repeatedly in his replies because he always is replying to people. Just well, says snow. That's it. It finally snowed, and though his face is covered up in this image, Zach, I want you to see the pure joy. Can you see in his eyes how happy this miserable bastard <laughs> is because it's captured. Say it. Say it in the Liam voice. <laughs> come on, you snow, LGX. Wait, okay. Is come on, you know, that's, is that from Liam? Yes. <laughs> how, did I, how do I like, how did I like never put two and two together? <laughs> we have like a running gag where we just say, come on, you know. Yeah, that's <laughs> Liam. I, I don't, I'm sure I knew that, but I probably just like repressed it because I don't want to give Liam Gallagher credit for anything. I will admit, yes, he looks very happy. <laughs> and this one, um, this go, let me go directly into my DMs to read this. So, friend of the pod, Nick, who was on two episodes ago of Dan, Nick of Dan for Life. DM'd me this tweet from Liam Gallagher, which is a picture of his backyard that says biblical covered in snow. And Nick said, BRB, praying to this. And I replied, Oh, this is an organized religion I can get behind. Um it's 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 a great picture, it's a nice picture. I love the caption of just all caps biblical. <laughs> uh, <laughs> biblical. And then these are nice photos. They're actually. very nice photos. His house is super. I I like his house. Shit. This is his house. I'm guessing, yeah. But here's the thing: it's a super nice house. Like I'm not gonna deny it. This is like I will never have a house this big. But it's like a nice house. Like he has money. This man is loaded. He could have like a gross, ugly mansion. But instead, he has like a nice, like big country house. Like, it's, it's big. I'll never own anything this big, but it's not like, I don't know, probably wherever Gwyneth Paltrow lives. You know what I mean? I love how you went straight for Gwyneth Paltrow. Well, I was trying to think of the most. <laughs> no, I, know. I know what you mean. Like, I could drive by one of these houses. Like, yes, exactly. Like, exactly. It, it's not like a Hollywood Hills, like, big-ass place. Like, this is, like, nice, but not, like... Liam Gallagher of Oasis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I respect it. It look yeah. I'm sure it's a very cozy house. It um, looks like the house from the beginning of Fred Claus. <laughs> if you don't have Twitter open. And look, um, I promise you, it's gonna sound like it's gonna be easier to just go on Liam Gallagher's Twitter <laughs> and find this photo. Instead, I want you to go on Netflix and watch Fred Claus, and then you'll see what I'm talking about. And there's another one, and I assume this is him walking in the snow. Okay, okay. This is the one I want to ask about because yeah. you said this in the Discord. Why does he say tomorrow never snows? <laughs> I don't even think <laughs> like I tomorrow never Discord. knows. I think Aaron sent it. <laughs> or, or whoever did, yeah. yeah. I think tomorrow so. never. I, I guess. I hate these snow dumbass pun. snow pun captions. I want to. What is this? 
Yeah, that's what I was going to do next. So he's not doing a ton of replies to these snow pictures because clearly he's just outside playing in the snow. He's trying to he's trying to enjoy his day, yeah. Which is cute as hell because he's a grown ass <laughs> man that's like playing. Like I hate the snow, so I'm glad he gets joy from it. But anyway, someone replied, "Remember when you told me to f off last night, Liam? That was pretty rude." And he replied, "Oh, me do okay." Yeah, we got a reply. You'll get over it. <laughs> Like, oh. you'll get over it. <laughs> and then here's him and his... Um, oh my god, this caption! ...fiance, which is cute as fuck, I'm not gonna lie. And the caption is just... The caption's... <laughs> it's really cute as hell. Like, look how happy... Look how happy he is! Look, the man he has a fiance? How old is this yeah. man? The man that never smiles. Um, Liam, How old is this man? They're like not grossly um, far apart in age, I don't think. Um, he's 48. She's he's under 50. Yeah. Um, Debbie Gwyther. You know her name. <laughs> yeah, Who is Liam worked- Gallagher's girlfriend? Yeah, like they look appropriate together. He's not like dating some 20 year They look appropriate. He looks fucked in this picture. Do you see yeah. his face? <laughs> what is he wearing? He's 36, but this is older, I think. This okay, yeah, this is article's three years old. So she's like he's like 10 years older than her, which isn't like that's fine. What are um, those shoes that he's wearing? <laughs> they're like moccasins. I like her boots. Um he looks yeah, 11 so years, weird. They have in an 11 this. years age difference. But yeah, she was his like manager like she got him to start making music again or something i don't know liam in this photo looks like fight him and that's why i think their relationship worked i gotcha as much as i hate the idea of liam gallagher being happy i guess i'm glad he's happy (laughs) i'm i'm kidding he's he's a funny guy yeah and (laughs) And i'm glad he had a nice snow day these photos are very cute and then the last two of the day. <laughs> which is a reply I want to address in the right below as well. But first of all, he uh he tweeted just the popcorn emoji. Which Courtney retweeted. She thought that there was enough merit in that to retweet. I retweet almost everything he tweets unless it's about football. <laughs> um, but the I want to direct everyone's attention to the replies. It's not a, a reply by him, but someone said Liam. Named my cat Blur, you know, for the band. But if you answer me, I will change his name to whatever you want. I love these people just, like, trying to piss him off to get his yeah. attention. Which is, like, the funniest thing. If you reply, I'll change it. Poor cat. This poor poor cat. cat. The the girl is wearing a Blur t-shirt, too. She ain't changing the damn cat's name. Speaking of Liam Gallagher and football, can I show you this six-second video really quick? Oh, I would love it. Please show it to me. <laughs> you may want to uh, have your audio down a little bit. <laughs> Come on, Ingalus! Score some fucking goals! <laughs> That literally sounded like it. <laughs> Come on, Ingolan! <laughs> 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 That's 
episode we've ever recorded. <laughs> oh. literally, I literally got recommended that. Like I was like taking a shit before the recording and just scrolling on YouTube and I got that video and I literally almost fell off the seat. <laughs> Come on, man. listenership has gone down in the UK over the past like three months I wouldn't be surprised um I've also noticed that like <laughs> people with like blur and oasis profile pictures have started following us so oh no oh no I think they're, no. they're very I think both fan bases are very self-aware like you can't, I feel like you can't be an Oasis fan without being self-aware that Liam Gallagher is like a fuckhead. I think he's great. Like I think he's wonderful, but he's a fuckhead. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm getting Stockholm syndrome into loving him. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> I, I feel that. I feel like they have kind of similar vibes. Now I'm just getting so many like British football screaming videos recommended to me because of that. Don't be shy. um that's all the liam i have (laughs) he's become part of the podcast this is the back-to-back podcast but like you know liam gallagher is the fact i think about this often the only reason that we've gotten here is because Beck was on a Gorillaz song and Liam Gallagher made a subtweet about that Gorillaz album. That's the only reason we're here. It's it's all connected. It is. Just like life itself. Everyone, back to back homework, do not stream the film Life Itself. And I'm not talking about the Roger Ebert one. You can stream <laughs> that. Um, but the one with Olivia Wilde. Do not do not interact. Do not engage. <laughs> back to back homework. Do not stream this. <laughs> Sorry, a bug just flew at my face and I got scared. Courtney just um, burped. It kind of stinks. So she was wiping it away. <laughs> you would have heard it if I burped. Should we start talking about Beck? Should we start resorting to fart jokes? Well, we've been talking about poop for like the past, ever since one poop in the grave. <sighs> uh, one poop in the grave. Oh yeah. Uh. <laughs> you good? I think I, just, I, think <laughs> I had like a that so Raven moment. I was like, <gasps> let's just talk about the songs. I'll remember my thing later. Okay, so um, we still didn't get colors. You know that from reading the the the, the name of the video. However, you know. when I pressed play. Come on, you know. Um, when I press play on the the Spotify playlist today, ladies and gentlemen, I flipped shit because we got Blue Moon from Morning Phase, which is the song that got me into being a Beck fan. So I freaked out. I love this song. And then after that, we got Devil's Haircut. So it's just banger after banger. It's a it's good a great episode. day. Yeah. It's a good episode. We're, we're very lucky today. That we yeah, didn't so... get a song off of one foot. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, 
look forward to everybody uh get ready for an hour straight of courtney talking about blue moon and me saying "Uh (laughs) uh-huh yeah like every couple of minutes (laughs) yeah he's not wrong no i'm joking anytime you can raise your hand using the zoom function if you need to say something if i'm just oh yeah there you go what do you have to say well did it move me up or did you do that it like moved me on my screen Oh, oh, see, look. I always do speaker view, so you're always big for me. Oh, God, that scares me. Oh, God. I always do speaker view. Like, I know everyone in our friend group does gallery. I always do speaker view. That is insanity. I think gallery is insanity. Like, that's what I don't want to look at myself. What? Well, if you got like a boogie, you like wouldn't know. You tell me. That's your job as my co host. <laughs> Any good ho- co-host, ho-host, tells if you've got boogies. <laughs> I don't have anything to say other than uh, I, I, of course, want you to talk more in depth because you obviously have more of a relationship. But uh, I've made it no secret that I haven't listened to a lot of Morning Phase. I literally had to Google the album title because I completely forgot it for some reason. I get I get the golden and the phase and the C and the change. Like I get I get all the words mixed up in my head, so I forgot. But listen to this. This song was so good. This song is so good. I loved it. chill i needed a chill nice uh, you you talk more now yeah. you've got more to say but I, I do have some things to say but i want you to say yeah you want to say. okay so um <laughs> yeah i heard this originally when beck performed it on saturday night live because when i was in high school um my dad and i like religiously watched saturday night live every saturday uh and like i knew who beck was obviously like i knew loser and where it's at and like a lot of the guero songs but um i was never like a fan uh and i heard this and i had no clue like i didn't know sea change existed i didn't know he could be you know i don't want i don't like saying acoustic because it's not acoustic to me there's too much going on to call it acoustic but just no yeah, uh, I like, was just unaware of this mode, yeah. and when I heard this song, I was just like floored, and I sought out Morning Phase, and I just loved it. And then that's when I did the whole full back deep dive. So I, I will always, the song will always mean a lot to me because it's what got me into back, and I just think it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful song, and it's funny. I've never really bothered to like look at the lyrics a ton until today i think i've always loved it more for the instrumentation um like the little bridge towards the middle like when he's saying don't leave me on my own that like that like that's so chef i don't even know what instrument that is i think it's a keyboard i don't know 
there is no banjo on this song, unfortunately. There's the ukulele and a um, and a trango. But yeah, uh, so as I was looking at the lyrics, I mean, they're, I'm not shocked as I actually read them. Like, I've, I've, I've heard them, I've listened to them, but there's certain things that, um, you know, genius annotations aren't always good, and several of these are unreviewed, but they have some points, so I do want to look at oh. them. The main thing, and this is also with my knowledge of my Beck-strengthened post-podcast, the refrain of the song is so cut me down to size so i can fit inside lies that will divide us both in time and this is incredibly sad it's like so sad and i think that there's a lot to morning phase about a failing relationship that we've already discussed Mm -hmm. uh and just also coming to terms with your own person but i think uh it's so sad to hear a line like that that he is saying you know insult me abuse me so that i can just fit into our life together and i think we both know and a lot of listeners know that that was a reality for him Mm -hmm. and it's really sad when you look at it like that and yeah it's really it's very upsetting (laughs) but i think uh you know he doesn't the 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 repeated lyric often also is don't leave me on all alone left me standing all alone don't leave me on my own left me standing all alone because i think he does feel very lonely and you know i've definitely analyzed this entire album from a you know overcoming a medical trauma standpoint and i'm sure that like being away from being able to be on tour and like doing what he loved and then also having a home situation that wasn't very positive did make him feel alone even if he was surrounded by people and there's something that genius pointed out that i really like that i think is a, a great take um mm-hmm. at the don't leave me on my own that happens over the little bridge i was talking about where he's like really belting it out this genius user pointed out saying that he it's a fourth wall break and he's singing don't leave my me on my own to us to the audience and i like that a lot because it's him realizing that his career his music his passion is what will make him not feel alone and what can make him get past that and morning phase was his return to form kind of he'd just been producing and releasing little tiny things so this was finally his chance to get back on his feet so to speak and i think that's that's a very interesting take that i wouldn't have thought of until reading it here but i definitely agree with it um no that's wild yeah oh my god yeah no, and just the, you know, the opening, um, the I'm so tired of being alone, these penitent walls are all I've known, the songbird calling across the water outside my silent asylum, that's definitely the being stuck where he can't, you know, literally being stuck, he wasn't able to tour, he was physically impaired, but also just the loneliness of not being able to express himself to the world the way he was so used to. I mean, he was consistently putting out albums from you know, 94 on, and then to have that huge break, that was the biggest break he ever had in his career once starting it. So 
you know, the idea of the songbird is his probably inspiration to get back working and the ability to start working again. So, I mean, I think this song is like a thesis statement for the entire album and like where he was while writing this album. And I thought it was interesting because Whiskey Clone uh, had a note saying that this song wasn't recorded with the rest of Morning Phase. And uh, he made it mostly by himself, just fooling around. Um, but um, Joey Ronker and um, Roger Manning Jr. are on, on it. They do drums and um, then uh, Manning does clavinet and background vocals. But it is everything else is back. Vocals, piano, guitar, bass, ukulele, and tarongo are all back. So this was a pretty back solo song mm-hmm. um and he even in this interview whiskey clone said he referred to it as a demo and he made the song and then he forgot about it rediscovered it and realized it fit with the rest of the album he'd been working on and then it, it's like the lead single uh for the album so i love I that story that's, that, that's yeah. a very beck story just like he writes shit and then he'll just like find it later and it's like oh this is actually perfect and you know it would end up setting the tone and mood for not just the album but for pretty much his like comeback which is kind of crazy no i agree completely in like the grand scheme of things oh excuse me and obviously um the the title and blue moon is a reference to the song blue moon um which he references that song a little bit but i like that um whiskey going kind of points out that um Beck's take on like the the song or the situation of the song Blue Moon, it's a little deeper than just, you know, Blue Moon, you left me standing alone without a dream of my own. Like it's kind of more a basic love song, sad thing, whereas this is going a little deeper. And that's not me dissing the song Blue Moon. I think that's a wonderful song. Um the the Elvis song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he even um in his whiskey clone uh for Filter Magazine, he uh, he was inspired by Elvis at the end of his career and was thinking about, you know, the isolation of fame. Uh, which That's I think- the stuff that I found really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You go ahead. You talk about that then for a second. Oh, okay. Well, uh, cancel me now. Uh, I do like Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to cancel you. <laughs> But so I think he is fascinating. I, I almost view Elvis in the way that like Courtney views cults and like religion, I guess. Mm. I was kind of like, I think that his impact on as someone who is very interested in how humans engage with pop culture, I think that he is a very seminal and kind of interesting figure in that. But and so to talk about this specific time like Cordy was saying uh, from Whiskey Clone from this interview <clears throat> that Beck did talking about Beck or not Beck Elvis like looking back on his entire life where you know he was at the end of his life literally one of the most known and seen just faces in like all the world I mean like you have people in Japan like that are Elvis impersonators. Like he has literally made that much of an impact on the culture of like the world. And so to like look back on his own life and remember that he was just 
a kid that wanted to play music. And so, you know, from, you know, from Mississippi, like me, I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, no shade to Mississippi, but like a state where not a lot of people get out and people that do kind of struggle to get out. Yeah. So I don't know. So for Beck to see that and just reflect on his own life in that way, which again is fitting for this, this turning point in his career where it's kind of like, Oh, where am I at right now? How did I end up here? And, you know, even still looking to the future of where he was at back then, like you were saying of him talking to the listener, like, Oh, don't leave me on my own. Don't leave me on my own. You know, is this it? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I feel like I'm struggling to say it because like, it is like really deeply meaningful to me, but I, I think that the reflectiveness of this song is very poignant and powerful. And that's why I do think it's a really great tone setter for like this album, you know, it's like the lead single and, you know, even just from like this era of Beck who often is very personally reflective on where his life has taken him from that guy that, you know, fucked around and made loser like all those mm-hmm. years ago. So then, you know, came from his own, you know, hard background and everything only to be where he is now. So I don't know. I, I think that's very like moving, I guess yeah. it's very like, I, I love it a lot. And on top of all that, it's just a good sounding song. Yeah. <laughs> like what he said, you could just listen to the instrumentals and it sounds great. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I agree. Oh my God, it's great. <laughs> and I think that is like it can be viewed on like two levels, more mm. the like personal personal relationships like I was referring to, or just the don't leave me on my own can also be, you know, don't end my career. <laughs> like you're yeah, that's like, more kind of what you're getting at is like, and that's true. It is the fear of being a, you know, he was probably like he had to be like what for 40s when this came out I don't have Mm -hmm. the exact date but probably like 43 44 and to have started when you're 24 20 years later and to be coming back after taking such a big break there is that fear that that everyone could just have rejected him Uh, and I think that's something that a lot of artists struggle with is they don't know how to mature and then they just kind of become a joke Mm. and no one wants to you know bother with anything new they have to do and I I can see him being very scared of that especially because he seems consistently worried about being you know reduced to loser even early in his career like Odalay to me is such an attempt to be like I'm not a slacker I'm not a slacker please do not just (laughs) say that I'm this dumb kid because he's not Mm -hmm. he's very intentional so I can see that fear coming you know really intensely almost with like a midlife crisis kind of thing so it, it is a very it's a very layered song and it's and and they all operate yeah it's it's so many layers you know personal uh, artistically like even just humanly like universally and like to equate all of that to the idea of like a blue moon like is this a once in a lifetime like occurrence like are things going to work out for me again which is like so scary and so 
him addressing that, but always doing it with that, that undercurrent of hope that like, it will work out and like, I will be okay. Like he's never, you know, we talk about how, you know, like, Oh, if Beck lyrics are secretly depressing, what is he actually talking about? Like we talk about that, but like, I do always believe that like he never gets in his own head to just like giving up. Like I never yeah. feel that from Beck. I always feel an optimism that like, it'll be okay. Like I'll, I'll figure it out, which like, I like need to hear that sometimes. No, <laughs> so. I agree. And not to bring I'm it back. I know that. we were joking. Zach and I were joking earlier about the movie life itself, but I do want to bring that. Cause I think it's very, <laughs> it works. It works. Yeah. This is a movie that came out a few years ago. And it's, it's one of those like multi-generational, how all these people intertwine. But the issue with this movie is every moment is a trauma. It is every traumatic moment in every character's life and they never, ever show anything good. And you like there are people and like Beck is a perfect example. This man has suffered Mm -hmm. in his life for even when he's a multimillionaire and has won Grammys, he's still suffered great traumas and you have to be able to live your life. You have to be able to be hopeful or find something good. And I think he's great at that. And I think he's great at giving that to people who feel like there isn't any hope. And that's why he is such an enduring and successful artist. And that's why I do take issue with some musicians or bands who are just like sad to be sad. Like I'm, I know many of our friends like her and I haven't done a super deep dive, but like, that's why I can't listen to Phoebe Bridgers. It just seems like trauma, upset, heartbreak. Like it's always really, it's too much for me. Like that's, and and that maybe that's how some people can cope and and feel good. Like I know personally, First Reformed is a comfort film for me, and that's crazy. And (laughs) but as far as music, I can't. How fucked up is that? (laughs) I can't like listen to just a sad song with no. Like, that doesn't make me feel better. It just makes me feel worse. And even Beck's sad song, like, Sea Change is a rough album, too, but there is that light at the end of the tunnel always. And I think that's why, like, Beck's music and his sadder music is good to listen to when you're upset because you get that hope out of it. And I respect the hell out of him for it because he could just be upset all the time. Like, he has every right to be. (laughs) So. (laughs) No, that's what I mean. I mean, you know, like yeah that's that's why i brought up like that undercurrent of hope because yeah there are plenty of musicians that obviously like revel in like taking those hardships and turning them into art in their own way and like none of it's like bad obviously i mean like everybody can listen to what you want to listen to and like every song is going to impact somebody in certain ways and that's great like that's why we as humans love music so I think just the idea is that, well, like you and me are saying, like for Beck in particular, it's nice to see someone remain hopeful in the face of a lifetime of struggle, Mm -hmm. I guess is like the idea. I like that. No, Uh, I agree completely. Because you look at someone else too, I think a better example than Phoebe Bridgers of someone who is just monetizing suffering is like the Smiths, Morrissey. Morrissey's gimmick is that he's sad and it's not even sad it's like such a gimmick that it's comical and that's annoying 
because and I'm sure he's suffered and is sad but it was just like he was being emo for the sake of being emo like there's no it, it, it has become a gimmick it's a joke you know like my dad would walk around the house singing um the line from oh god what's she even talking but when he goes you cry and you want to die like it's just a jo- like Morrissey is such a like haha he's a sad boy that it's it's not even effective <laughs> yeah uh some more back-to-back podcast homework for this week. Uh, we're giving you some non-Beck music. Uh, go listen to the JPEG Mafia song, I Cannot Fucking Wait Till Morrissey Dies. That is the actual, <laughs> that is the actual name of the song. It's a great song. Love, Peggy. Uh, go check it out, especially if you hate Morrissey as I much as we do. I've never heard it. Um Gonna say that again for everybody. JPEG Mafia has just skyrocketed through the roof. (laughs) Gonna give that one more time for everybody that needs it. Uh, That song is I Cannot Fucking Wait Till Morrissey Dies. (laughs) Um, I used to to post uh, freshman year of college. I had a quarter life crisis because I wanted to wrap out of the film program and I didn't know what to do. And like my entire world was shattering. And like Feel every that. day, I would tweet the gift. Um, Morrissey singing "Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now," like with the caption of the lyric. You do it every day, almost every day. Every day I had a film class, so every Monday and Wednesday for an entire quarter of college. Courtney, oh, so yeah, it was bad. I was. Courtney, it was yeah. that's, that, that's like that's like a like that's like a performance piece. It really is. Yeah, I should have been listening to more back then. <laughs> you should like memorialize that and put that on your website. It's got to be somewhere. It's still on my Twitter. You can dig if you want to. I wouldn't recommend it. I tweet way too much. Um, Let's turn yeah. that into an art piece. <laughs> I'm fine. Graphic design. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Like, don't, I'm not like, don't get me wrong. I am so sorry because literally, yeah, like, I. Oh, no, I it's no fine. I look I back either. now and I laugh. I'm fine with it now. It's super funny. That's why I told, I wouldn't have told the story if I was like still upset about it. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else to say about like the lyrics and everything? Other than. I wish that I was that productive when I didn't know what I was doing in college. <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, I want to quickly talk about the SNL performance because there's just something funny about it. But that I uh, oh I, yeah, we've both got funny things to say about it. Um, so yeah, I that was the first time I heard Blue Moon, and I knew about this mode of Beck. Um. But the thing that that was funny to me now, and I rediscovered this when we started the podcast, is for some reason, Josh Tillman, a.k.a. Father John Misty, is playing guitar and doing backup vocals in this performance, and they just (laughs) don't address it. Um, And at this point, he was big as Father John Misty, like big enough in in those circles, you know what I mean? Um, And for some reason... His mic is, like, louder than Beck's. And whenever he starts doing backup, they are either equally matched or you can hear 
Josh Tillman more than you can hear Beck. And there's just something very funny about it. I don't know. It's just like, like I joked with Zach, like some SNL intern real, really fucked up that day. Like <laughs> one of these comments is literally like, it's hard to sound good on the SNL stage, <laughs> but then so many others are, but they said, Oh, but this one sounds, this sounds awesome. Yeah. To, to, to it's still a good but yeah. P- plenty of comments are like, a wild Josh Tillman appears or yeah. in all caps, powerful Josh Tillman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those are two I don't even fucking know collab. who Father John is. Huh? What'd you say? They should collab. That would be too powerful. Two very powerful white men in my life. They should. So I'll actually listen to him. You should <laughs> check out Father John Misty. I think you might vibe. You may or may not. You, very, you, you would like his lyrics. He's a writer's singer. <laughs> He is a writer singer. You would like his lyrics. He's got good lyrics. <laughs> you and uh, manager of the pod, Skylar, have both recommended him to me in the past. So uh, don't roast me. When you said Father John Misty, I literally thought he was the guy that did fucking take me to church. But that Hosier? is Hosier. I also like Hosier. Good for you. Tall. <laughs> Okay. Sorry, he's just really tall. Every time I think of Hozier, I'm like, that man's like seven feet tall. He's not really is he tall. Is he taller than me? I think he probably is. I think he's six five. Thank God. Hosier. Fucking freak. Height. He's Irish. Hozier dick length. Six six. Jesus Christ. He's six foot six. Um, I like his his second album better than the Take Me to Church album. But when he's I got... this is not the hose to your pop podcast. He's... <laughs> He, he's six foot six. He's got the height of the beast. <laughs> but he sings a song about the going to church. So what's that all about? He is, yeah, he's tall. Can I show you my thing now from the yes, SNL video? Please do. Uh, fuck, share screen. Okay. This this thing alone makes me want to do like a worst Beck faces account. Oh no. How do I? Because, like, Courtney, I want you to look at this face from like the beginning oh, of the video. He's just putting his heart into it. This man looks like he just watched JFK get assassinated. Like, this is like the sca- <sighs> He looks scared. He looks like horrified by what he's seeing. And I know he's just belting it out. I said it when we watched the video and you didn't notice because I think you were just enamored with the cuteness of Beck. I love Beck. He's super cute, especially in the devil's haircut video that we're about to talk about. I'm sure Mm -hmm. this is a like, this is a face. This is a face. I personally, I think it's just because it's when I started to really like Beck. I will always think the morning phase Beck is especially endearing and cute with his little hat and he's just like a little like you know that i like my 40 year old celebrities that's what i'll say oh yeah if anything he's not fucking old enough for courtney here (laughs) can we talk about how his hat looks like photoshopped in and like they couldn't get rid of all the background (laughs) it's lit it's rim lighting you guys heard courtney it's lit I, yeah. I I won't make fun of Beck. Sure. <laughs> well, he's he's you know 
when you are like singing and like performing, like obviously, like if you were putting full emotion into that, I understand that you're going to look weird. I did fucking theater for four years and I was like a fucking freak with like the worst faces ever on stage. So I feel that I just thought this face was funny. And he's I got good teeth. It. He's got good teeth. Yeah. He's very, They're very, it's, it's a good like line. Yeah. Very like, yeah, no, I don't. Claim. I was going to say he looked ratty like his front teeth, but maybe not. I don't think so. It's a pretty good. It's I think he's, he's like, eh, that's why <laughs> it's because he's like, Mm. We know who the rat on this podcast is, and it's not Beck. <laughs> uh, Becky Cheese. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else to say about Morning Face other than that it's incredible? I I don't because it is incredible. Yeah. It actually is. I have to pee really bad, so I'm gonna pee before we talk about Devil's haircut. I'm gonna. Do oh, you want me to leave okay. it on so you can riff, or do you want me to pause the recording? <laughs> You always cut out my riffs anyway. Here, no, I'll let you riff. You can riff all you want. I may go P2. We'll see. Hmm. That that's the question, everybody. Should I take this opportunity to go pee? Oh, uh, Courtney already left and she already did this up for me. She pees really fast. So if I'm gonna do it, I need to do it now. Uh, okay, fine. I'm gonna go pee. I don't know what Zach said while I was peeing, but we'll see when I edit it. Dear listeners. Come on, Eagle Let's go some fucking dolls. <laughs> is it back screaming that? Be- this is Beck watching football. Back watching football would be like, yay, good job. <laughs> Back watching football is like, where's my mommy? <laughs> I feel like he's not a sports boy, which I respect. I uh, he he could not be less of a sports boy. I'm not a sports boy or girl. <laughs> I hate sports. I played tennis. Did you know that I played tennis for five years? Like I did not. That's another great aspect of like your character arc. <laughs> um, we were we didn't have courts at our school. Like it, it's like a it's like a like like a movie. Like we didn't have courts. We had to go to like the local community college. My life a movie for real. <laughs> um, the only team we ever beat was the other like school in our town because they had courts, but they were like cracked to shit. Um, but the other, the other, the the nuance of Metro Detroit is like so we had that, but then, uh, but then we, uh, you know, you have like people who were born on country clubs, so they were kicking oh our asses the entire time. So, Courtney, Courtney watched them play tennis in the Squid and the Whale and was like, "Hey, I I want to do that too." By the time <laughs> I saw Squid and the Whale, I had stopped playing tennis really mm-hmm. oh that is so unfortunate that i literally thought i'd like piece together like two perfect like puzzle no. pieces. uh that was that movie was my personality uh because my parents divorced when i was in high school so i was like i am jesse eisenberg which is so toxic do you want to know who i like associated with in high school it's disgusting jesse eisenberg and squid and the whale 
<laughs> Jason Schwartzman and Rushmore. I li- that was literally when I literally say that those are the words that were going to come out of my mouth just now. I mean it. And then that bitch from Submarine, <laughs> <laughs> the boy. Trust me, I know. <laughs> I, I know, and saying that, Courtney, you're my co-host, my great friend. I love you. I do not know if we could have been friends in high school. We would not have been friends in high school, and it would have been all on me. Like, I would have been the reason. It's not like I wouldn't have liked you. I probably from afar would have been like, he seems cool. He'll never speak to me. Um, oh, no, that's not true. No, I, not, I, not meaning you were actually... I, I was um, the guy getting shivved for being gay, so that you wouldn't have been cool. I was like so annoying that like no one bullied me. Like they just ignored me. Like me and the other art. I, I was annoying and I still got bullied. What the fuck? Like, but I was like quiet. Like I was like such a annoying that they didn't know how to bully. Like, how do you bully someone for like Los Anderson? Like, what do you do? <laughs> That's the, literally you, like, so symmetrical. True. You like symmetrical shots in movies? You fucking bitch. Like, <laughs> like my entrance <laughs> were so niche, there was it was not worth the energy. This is my favorite new character. It's like when people on Twitter are like, think of a guy that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, think of a guy that like their interests are so niche, aka loving like Wes Anderson adjacent films that they just can't be bullied. That's the That's back to my podcast, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, we wonder who did. I no, I I take that back. I was bullied by my best friend. She used to punch me in the arm and be like, "Ha ha, oh, I'll tell you that story another day." She was cruel. It's a ha ha. You like Francis ha. Love, yeah. love our backstories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was there when I. She bullied me for liking Beck. I vividly remember. Okay, watching, that that's understandable. I've, I vividly remember watching the Blue Moon SNL performance while I was. We had like eight. We had um like, uh, dual enrollment classes after school, yeah. and we work on the computers. And I was like watching it while I was working, learning how to use Illustrator. And I swear to God, she punched me in the arm because I was, like, watching it for the third time in a row and, like, maybe I deserved it. <laughs> and just the idea of you getting bullied for watching Beck is, like, of course you made a podcast about him later. <laughs> right? No, it is. It's funny. It's, like, I repressed him for so many years because that, like, fucked me up so much and now I'm, like, it's I don't my, blame you. It's yeah. my birthday. It's my sleepover. I get to choose the music. <laughs> This is so much to take in. <laughs> oh, our backstories. Um, our anyway, backstories. I get it. You're going to have to send me that picture. Well, no, I screenshotted that picture of Beck. I will post it with the episode. Um, it is a funny picture. I think Beck would think it's a funny picture. Oh, that face. Just, yeah, yeah. Like, it is what it is. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, he's, got a, he's got a good sense of humor. Everyone, when you're singing, you're bound to make weird faces. It's true. I'm a very... Uh, <clears throat> I make weird faces when I talk. You you know this probably already. I'm a very, you know. You'd think I was Italian with the way I talk with my hands sometimes, but I'm not. Hey, hey, hey. You're the Italiano. Italiano. Hey, hey, Didn't last night when we were watching Life Itself, you were like, I understand, because there was a character that like wished he was Italian, and you were like, I understand. I, too, wish everyone was Italian. I, I said, I literally can't think of anything sadder than not being Italian. 
That's me. I miss toast sandwich meat pie. Fucking HP sauce. Fucking, come on, you know. Fucking footy with Liam Gallagher head ass. Uh. I said that and Skylar was like, are you sure about that? <laughs> and I said, Skylar, like, unironically, I wish I had, like, any amount of spice in my blood. <laughs> like, any like, non-whiteness. spicy. No. <laughs> I say like, Italian is white spicy, but that's like it. It's still yeah. white. <laughs> oh my god! Let's talk about let's talk about Devil's Haircut because this song and this video and this album all fucking slap. Like fucking Blue Moon was Courtney shit. Devil's Haircut is my shit, like all the way. Got a devil's just even reading the wikipedia the fact that the music video it, it verbatim on the wikipedia says the music, the video has references to the films midnight cowboy and the 400 blows that's the exact course thing i've ever heard in my life gotta start with that like yeah. you know this is a zach video because uh if you'll notice uh the the framing in beck's outfit uh is an allusion to the film Midnight Cowboy and the the zoom in freeze frames are a reference to the 400 blows. Do you guys know you can find both those movies in the Criterion collection? If I ever talked <laughs> like I was like oh man this is going to be the most like head ass me talking. I don't want to linger on that shit cuz those are to me if anything just like cool flourishes to a cool video around a really awesome song. Courtney sent me something that yes, I saw on the page. You uh, you want to take that that away? Talk about that real quick. Oh, I'll just very quickly just the remixes. Um, <laughs> um, there's a remix of the song by Noel Gallagher of Oasis, which we don't really talk about Noel. Um, but it's just funny. So <laughs> I haven't listened to it. Seek it out if you want to, listeners. <laughs> what was I gonna say? Uh. Oh, okay. Uh, with the music, wait, what should we talk about? I guess we'll talk about the song over the music video first. Song is good. It's, uh, I think it's a very good, like, Odelay, like, representative song, like, similar to where it's at. Like, it just has the good vibes and all the shit I love about Odelay. Like, even if you try going to, like, any site that will like sort this song by genre it has fucking like alternative garage rock sampledelia psychedelic and i'm just like yes all of that give give me all of that and put it in one thing and it'll be my favorite yes i love it <laughs> so the sound alone is great it has all of like the odelay bells and whistles of beck just kind of like I mean, it's in the best way possible. I love people that can just throw shit at a wall and it like all sticks. And Beck definitely does that. It's all these dissonant sounds. But when you put them together, they're cohesive and they sound great. And so this song's just a fucking like jam. I love it. <laughs> love the instrumentation. I love the samples, the lyrics. 
I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> well, it's funny. It even like on Whiskey Clone, it points out, and I forgot that it was about um, this song that he says it. But in Futurama, he the, when they're talking about this song, he he literally says, "What was that song about?" Literally the funniest thing. <laughs> uh, the one thing I will quickly can I detour and tell us read something quickly? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's this interview where, uh, and I think originally Beck and Cage sent this to me like when we started the podcast, um, but I've been saving it for this. And uh, it's just where people uh, wrote in and asked him questions. And Jack White himself uh, asked, hey, Beck, did you really get your hair cut by the devil? So I'm going to read Beck's answer. (laughs) I went down to this strip mall called The Crossroads, where they have a FedEx, an ice cream parlor, and a barbershop. At the barbershop, they had illustrations of various haircuts with names like the Dirty Pompeii, the Black Bear, the Lonely Mannequin, the Brass Eskimo. An old man came out with some rusty scissors and blades. He put me in the chair and swung me around. I said, how much? He said we'd work that out later and I asked what, and asked what I'd like. So I said the first one. He said, nobody asked for that one anymore. I was worried he'd be out of practice, but he knew what he was doing. He cut my hair so fast I could hardly see his hands. When he was done... He stood back. It looked like some kind of bowl cut with long bangs. I said it wasn't really my style. He said I'd grow to like it. Just give it time. It could do a lot of things for me. When it came to the matter of paying, he said, I'll take a portion of your soul, which you won't have to pay till the 12 August moon by the city gates with a boar's tooth and a sword of Damocles. I said I had no idea what he was talking about. I had a line of credit at the First National, but knew nothing of boars, teeth, or swords. I left him a banknote and walked out the door. As I got into my Lincoln, someone yelled, hey, Devo, from a passing car. I never went back there. I don't know who that old man was or what he was talking about. Now I try to avoid strip malls. (laughs) Did you guys just fucking hear all that just now? (laughs) What? <laughs> I don't know if he's just bullshitting or what. He probably is, but it's still an incredible story. That is, without a doubt, my favorite Beck story. <laughs> that is like that is like my favorite story revolving around Beck that I've ever heard in my entire life. Also, a uh, quick Beck to Beck lore shout out. Uh, notice that Beck said he got in a Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> he was waiting for that gift of sound and vision, baby. <laughs> the haircut paid off. Good things exactly. came his way. He yeah. That is so funny. That is the funniest thing I've ever heard. Oh my god. I love that. I like look, I talked about this this weekend with like tweets that we were talking about or whatever. That shit where I see that, I'm like, I wish I wrote that shit. Like that's just proof that like I'm not that funny because that is the funniest shit I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) This man's mind is on a whole other level. (laughs) That's my contribution to this conversation. No original I I I love there's like fucking 18 different versions of Devil's Haircut. <laughs> Why does Whiskey Club have so many different versions? <laughs> I mean, I guess they got a trackable. That's their job. Wait, alternate titles, Electric Music and The Summer People. I like Devil's Haircut better. That's interesting. I'll, I'll use that alternate title for something. I'll, I'll call one of my movies that or something. Do it. Get back to be in it. 
something's wrong because my mind is fading. <laughs> You're going to read the entire song as chills? No. <laughs> like, I don't want to sound like that asshole, but A, these lyrics are pretty, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And B, we did dump a fair amount of solid analysis into Blue Moon. Can I just say, um, just notice the line, temperatures dropping at the rotten oasis? Is Beck, Beck, is Beck calling Liam Gallagher rotten? Apparently, <laughs> um, maybe he was okay with Noel at the time because he remixed the song. But that does not mean he was okay with Liam because they hate each other, Noel and Liam, even back in the day. So... <laughs> <laughs> There's so much lore. Uh, apparently, Devil's Haircut, like the phrase, is just something that Beck thought sounded bluesy, and so he used it. It's not a reference to uh, the band The Misfits and their Devil's Locks haircut. <laughs> so, great example of wait, I think I understand what this Beck lyric means. And then Beck just being like, oh no, that's not it. I was just fucking around. <laughs> Which is great. I love it. I love, get, 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 get you a man that can do both. Yeah, I agree. I just, uh, there's, I don't know. I love this song a lot. It's a very, just like, I'm trying to like find a thing on it. And like, I feel bad that I'm not really like analyzing it, but this really does just seem like one of Beck's kind of like stream of consciousness, Gonzo writing William yeah. S. Burroughs ass, just like, oh, I'm throwing shit together and it just sounds fun and it's a jam and you're having a good time. <laughs> um, That's indicative of our taste, like, like, because as we've said, like Courtney loves Morning Phase and I love Odalay. Courtney's album has the very deep introspective lyrics and my lyrics are just like, <laughs> um, He does say on Whiskey when it says that he just says it's a really simplistic metaphor for the evil of vanity. And it also um, it's Whoa. like a rewriting of... Um, the staggly blues myth which i think i'm reading right now but i think that's the whole like selling your soul to the devil to um to be you know successful um but i'm reading whiskey clone has an entry on it yeah it's mississippi uh, john hurt yeah 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 so it's like a 90s version of that uh, which I is, love that. and that's cool. That's that's really awesome. Like you know how he can incorporate his blues influence into his music that is not as bluesy. It you know that's it just shows that that's always with him. Beck is singing about Mississippi. Is this song written for me? Yes. I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't fucking know. The same way that um, Cronenberg made um, fucking what's it called uh, the brood for the me, brood. even though I didn't exist yet. <laughs> Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about the video? <laughs> Let's talk about the video because I, I feel like I definitely have more to say about the video than the song itself because yeah. I really fucking love this video. I, I 
I personally consider this like a classic like Beck music video. Oh hell yeah. In fact, let me when this music video come out, I'm gonna click on it. Or at least when it come out on YouTube. Ow! Okay, so it came out in 2009, like the YouTube video. They put it on so YouTube, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you guys have to understand, this was like peak Zach, like formative era. Like I've said before, like the span of like the creation of YouTube to, you know, pretty much 2009, like honestly. I mean, obviously I always watch YouTube, but like I am one of the people that was like, really there for when it started and like took off and so that is like a big avenue for how i consume media and so i've said before all these artists were making vivo channels to you know hop onto youtube and so i was just watching like a shit ton of music videos and i distinctly remember watching the beck devil's haircut video because and i fucking love this video (laughs) like it's it's so well shot it's got a distinct like look to it and i mean even past just like you know the film references which i mean you don't have to get to enjoy the video it's just got a fun like kind of vibe to it got this cool like retro feel and it's in new york and i just you know i've barely been but it's like one of my favorite places on earth and so i love seeing beck just walk around new york city with all this shit going on uh courtney was the one that like reminded and told me this was directed by mark romanek is how you pronounce it romanek i think so yeah who like i fucking love like he not only has great videos like he did scream with michael janet jackson Mm -hmm. fucking fantastic iconic video uh closer like you said by nine inch nails uh he did uh Two movies I fucking love, uh, One Hour Photo and Never Let Me Go, both fucking fantastic movies that really convey like a very solid directorial style. Watch Static too, his first movie, another great movie that definitely not seen as much, but like he has a real distinct look, I guess. I- I'm not sure how I would describe it. Like it's not. Like, I don't want to say cold, but, like, probably someone that would, like, watch something his for the first time would call it kind of, like, sterile almost. Which isn't this video at all. Like, this video is very, like, fun and vibrant. And, like I said, like, it just looks like it was shot in the kind of time period that's trying to, like, emulate. Like, it looks very, like, 70s, 80s, like, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, read the find premise, something? Yeah. I just read the premise of Static, and I'm losing my mind. Sorry. Yeah, no, dude, fucking watch Static. Yeah. I, I think I, you in particular would love... Yeah. Actually, yeah. you know what? Yeah, that just kind of <laughs> hit me. You in particular would love Static, I feel yeah. like. No, I love... I've never seen um, Never Let Me Go. I've heard it's great, uh, but I love One Hour Photo. And I think... I mean, yeah. Noah, Noah and I both think that the Closer music video is, like, maybe the best music video ever made. <laughs> so. It's good. And, like, you know what I mean when I say he's got, like... A distinct style like yeah, he it just is has like something that i think a lot of um films from that period like when he was making music videos and stuff the 90s it's not that they're all the same but it's like the energy i get from um safe 
yes oh my god yes yes like it's that very it is almost sterile in that it's like the way that everything looked in the 90s was kind of this weird plasticky but it had gone away from like the bright colors of the 80s but it was still like everything was white or beige or like pastels and it's a very weird yeah almost like it's like a liminal feeling and I, I yeah, oh my god yes and I get like, that from one hour photo plastic later, liminal but. is like absolutely how I would describe it and again yeah. and like the best way possible like yeah the, it's a great that, it's a like, great thing you know like who you're watching uh, yes no watch I, any of those movies. Check, I want to check the other two out because I love yeah. one hour photo is incredible it's an incredible one hour photo is so good guys I've pretty sure I've said before Ron Williams was literally one of like my favorite people on the planet and it is like such a different performance for him mm-hmm. book and movie for never let me go are both fantastic i had to uh read it for a class and i think i watched the movie to uh maybe cheat a little bit because i didn't have time to read because like you get assigned like a million books a semester and you already have your other classes on top of that and you want to have fun it's really hard so i'm sorry professor whatever your name was I, I had him for two different classes, so I really should remember his name, but I don't. You had a fun class. We read a lot of really great books, and I have like obviously read all of them since then in full at my own leisure, and I love all of them, but I'm sorry. And I watched a great movie out of it. Yeah, I get which it. Which brings I us back to Devil's Haircut, yeah, which I love this video. It has a great feel. And like it, it ties into that, that kind of liminal feel that like, you were talking about in that he's in he's obviously in a very like he's in new york city so it's a very cityscape environment but a lot of because the video is mainly just beck in this like midnight cowboy outfit with his little boom box he looks so cute in this video oh my god uh (laughs) he's mainly just like walking towards the camera and then he'll zoom in like huh what (laughs) so that's pretty much it but like a lot of different backgrounds are you know like an amusement park or the neon lights of like the stock exchange or at one point he's all in a fucking big ass plastic bag another part there's an art piece another part he's in uh like an asian district and like with all these different little flashy little festivals and flags and stuff and so it really does give an almost similar kind of vibe and that like a lot of what's being emphasized in the video are these kind of like man-made flashy, but kind of muted tone like entities. And I think it makes a great contrast with Beck who is just like the solid center of all of these shots. And he points out every time and it's, uh, he's often very isolated at least until like the end where he's like sort of surrounded by more people and tying back to the whole, like, you know, devil's crossroad, Robert Johnson kind of thing. He does feel, you know, like a kind of bluesy, like wanderer, you know, mm-hmm. he's got the boom box. It's kind of like his symbol of like, Oh, he is one that's entwined with music. And so I think it's a great video. I, I love this video a lot. It's, it's, simple but it's so well executed and of course the song is great so it just really sticks with you and uh oh my god yeah that 
Oh, yeah. And then at the end, it zooms in on all the people like taking photos of him and shit that they were there like the whole time during the video. I wonder what that means. See, I'm fu- you, you can just fucking watch this and analyze it. Yeah. That's a good music video. Or you can just have fun, just mm-hmm. like Odalay. You can, <laughs> you can try to cut into it or you can just jam to it. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, it's a good time. I agree. I it. It's great. Yeah, I mean, you said everything. I don't really have anything. It's it's a good song. It's a good video. He is very cute in this video with his little cowboy hat. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. These are both great songs. We really—they're both great songs. We lucked we, out. We lucked out, and we lucked out with like a good Courtney and a good Zach. Yeah, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um. This is going to be the one that gets us the Emmy. I can feel it. It is, yeah. Because podcasts <laughs> win Emmys now. What would we win? A Webby? Do podcasts we would, win Webbies? That's a good question, actually. Uh, I, would, I would hope that we would win uh, Best Fart at the Kids' Choice Awards, just like yeah. my favorite movies, Kangaroo Jack. Um, okay, I'm looking to see what... Um, that's a good question, actually. Can po- Surely, pot like there's something that you can win for. I mean, winners. The potties. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my God, we can. You can enter. Do not enter us. <laughs> I'm t- oh, there's like. Wait, is the People's Choice Awards? No. Well, that's. I don't think you have podcasts on the People's Choice Awards. We should enter the, the, the Webby. Oh, this is just podcast awards. <laughs> there's just oh the oh, award. just the podcast yeah. awards. The- and there's there's like iHeartRadio and stuff. Dolly Parton's America wins best music podcast at 2021 iHeartRadio podcast awards. Good for her. Fifteenth annual podcast awards. Wow. They have their own Wikipedia page. The podcast awards. Yeah, the podcast awards. Wow. Um, Everyone vote for last podcast on the left instead. In all honesty, yeah. (laughs) There's a mature category. (laughs) Oh, that's the one we'd have to be in. No, I'm joking. I do not mark any of these as explicit. (laughs) I should mark it as explicit, but I don't. We want everyone to listen. (laughs) Yeah, we'd lose all of our... We'd lose our entire fan base. If we are how you like learned how to curse, like I'm good with that. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Um, <sighs> Muggle cast. Ugh. I saw that. I d- <laughs> you said, I'm gonna edit that out because I I'm just that's just my opinion. Um, Courtney loves Crimes of Grindelwald with Jude Law. I like the way he looks, and that there's a very specific photo that i'm not going to get into on this podcast i'll save that next time we do pope to pope um courtney likes that he got paid i do like that he got paid and (laughs) in his little wool suit he's double cheeked up on a thursday that's all i'll say um no we'd be the education podcast oh education absolutely not okay so like what when what's what's the opposite of education okay brain damage okay um, what's Catholic, going on? A podcast called Catholic Rockers won music two years in a row. I think we have a chance. <laughs> I, 
thought you of all people would love a podcast called Catholic Rockers. No, I'm good. We totally no. We could win this. Literally, the fucking Peter Gabriel score to Last Temptation of Christ is literally Catholic rock. It's not. No, Jesus doesn't equal Catholic, son. No, no, no. The the score to Last Temptation of Christ is more influenced by Eastern culture than anything Catholic, if you would listen to it. Did you guys just hear that? Did Peter Gabriel a- appropriate Middle Eastern music for his score to the Martin Scorsese film, The Last Temptation of Crust? No, he employed a bunch of um, <laughs> Middle Eastern musicians who were being ignored by the music industry and uh, brought their sound to the entire world. And uh, now they're still getting paid. That's what he did. Meanwhile, fucking Bono singing thank god it's them instead of you <laughs> yeah no i do like my white men that, um you know that like to use influence from other cultures but it's always respectful yeah same our boy auburn does it it's true fucking like dude fucking anytime david byrne uses yeah. like African like drums are chanting in a song, you know my white ass is like, I'm here for it. <laughs> but it's always it is like they're not just doing it themselves. Like they, no, no, they yeah, actually they, they work with yeah. authentic <laughs> musicians who sh- like otherwise because the world sucks would not be heard. Like that's yeah, like world music, the genre of like world music exists because of the last temptation of Christ score. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> You like, gonna elaborate on that or just no, like world <laughs> music was popularized in the West? Um, like a lot of like I feel like old white women like to listen to world music and feel like no, I mean you know I like I, I hate that term, but like I love like the genre. Like yes, I am exactly <laughs> it was popular. Like no, I don't... yeah, he is very influential on like getting specifically like African and Middle Eastern musicians like on the map. Courtney, here's what I want to ask. Yeah. Would we want to assign Last Temptation as homework? No, I'm not going to do that to people. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, that movie is like a fucking masterpiece. Like, it's amazing. But I don't know if I would assign it as homework. It's my favorite film of all time. Yeah. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to force it on anyone. Go, Go about it organically. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll just force it when we talk about my favorite movie, Eternal Sunshine. The yeah, Star- here. I, I got it a little off. So it didn't, it won a Grammy Award for Best New Age Album in 1990, but it is seen as a landmark in the popularization of world music. Gotcha. And it's because it's not, it's not just the, the, the score, it's more songs that got cut. So it's long. It's like a Yeah, song. yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's great. It's an. I mean, the whole the whole album is incredible, but it fits with the the film perfectly. And it it's funny. I mean, I've talked about. Um, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but like the first movie he ever scored was Birdie, which is another movie I love, and it's really funny because it's just one of his albums with like the lyrics stripped out. Like he didn't actually like write original music for it, 
but then he comes and does this next and it's all original uh and it's insane <laughs> like it's it's absolutely bonkers i wish beck would do that he like, should i know well we'll we'll get to um when he tried to yeah and then got fucked over by danny elfman can you even find that like soundtrack slash score like i don't know spotify i'm gonna go spotify i'm gonna take a leap of faith and type in nacho libre no i don't think so yeah which is a shame because his music for that movie is so genuinely good yeah and i wish it was the whole soundtrack but or score but it's not well it's both he does like instrumental and like singing stuff I would love it. It, Beck, this is my promise to you. If I ever make it as a filmmaker, I would love for you to do the score slash soundtrack for one of my movies. Like literally every song in the movie. I would love that. Yeah, I think he would be great. Especially, yeah, the whole, we'll get to, I'm going to leave my rage about the Nacho Libre thing once we get to it because it just (laughs) bothers me. And I liked it, but that bitch... It's it's a lot. You guys aren't ready for our Nacho Libre <laughs> discourse. I get fired up. I get fired up when Beck's disrespected. I have a story to tell you when we're done recording about that that oh I don't God. want on air. It, it's because um, we care so much about Nacho Libre and Beck. Yeah, both Pete, both incredible artistic <laughs> influences <laughs> on the world. <laughs> Not really is a brilliant film. I haven't seen it in forever, so I do look forward to watching it again soon. Um, I, I love I, hope... I love that bitch. I'll watch anything he does. Yeah. I and there's so much to get into because like <clears throat> I have so many thoughts about Jared Hess, who I love. I think literally one of the most like slept on writer directors of our time. But then also in particular regards to Nacho Libre, that me and Jade watch probably once a month, honestly. <laughs> and so I've gone from just like, oh, fun movie I watched when I was a kid to like, no, genuinely, like this movie is like a masterpiece. And so we'll talk about that eventually once we start talking about movies. Yeah. Eventually, we're, we're going to do it. We want to do those uh, with guests, at least to start out probably. Yeah. But uh, you'll see. Somehow we started talking about Peter Gabriel and Nacho Libre. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Two incredible things. <laughs> it's true. We were like done with the episode and then we're like, hey, do you do you know about this thing? Which yeah. is like literally just the back-to-back podcast. But yeah. <laughs> I know. I I it's it's fun. I we're we've gotten far enough that we're allowed to do that now. And like everyone's okay with it. It's kind of great. Yeah, we're fucking how many fucking episodes? 26. This is 26. And we still haven't got a fucking colors song. That is upsetting. Not the colors part. The fact that we've recorded 26 episodes of a podcast. <laughs> I know. I, I'll say, I have another thing to say when, when we're done. Okay. So, so, so that they'll stay fresh on your brain. How about yeah. we yeah. wrap things up? Thank you for listening, everyone. You can follow us on Twitter at Back to Back Pod, Instagram at Back to Back Podcast. You can follow Zach on Twitter at underscore cheese dip. Um, you can find me organically. I have the same amount of followers. Yeah, plug me. Don't look for Courtney. I was literally gonna say, 
I think you just read my mind because I was yeah. literally gonna like do that bit again where I was like, you know, I was just I checked my follower account the other day and I couldn't help but notice that literally just about every one of my friends has like five times my followers and that's how visceral. long have you had the account? I've had it since like 2016 or something. Okay, I had I mine I had like 2011. I know, but like I've had stagnation for like years. I made it because like I had to make like a new account. I was yeah. just like I used to be so much happier. There were a few years. Cause like I obviously had a Twitter account like earlier, but like mm-hmm. I just went offline and like nuked my social accounts for like at least a year. And when I say I was so much happier <laughs> than I am now. <laughs> I am too addicted to it to ever. It, unfortunately, I, I'm so proud of you that you were able to do it for a year. <laughs> And now I'm just sad, ranting on the podcast, saying, follow me. I don't have enough followers. (laughs) Like, like I care. The sad part is I care. (laughs) Not about the amount of followers. It's the quality of the followers. And I think you have good quality followers. I do. A lot of mine are like bots, probably. I want more bots. If you know how to make bots follow my account, do that. I want more bots. I just care about the numbers. I don't care about people. (laughs) (laughs) With that, um, that's just the information. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Beck is Beck has entered the chat with his album, the information. He's here. Yeah, he's here. What was that? He was cheering for Ingerland. <laughs> Come on, Ingerland. Let's score some fucking goals. You can send that to me so I can end the episode with that. <laughs> Liam takes Beck to a football game. Oh, that's so cute. That's the cutest thing. Oh. I do like happy. Happy Liam Gallagher is very wholesome. We've looked at I, the I, I do agree of Liam Gallagher and Damon Albarn playing football together, right? Not to open another. Have you never seen those pictures? Oh, oh my god! He said, "Ah shit!" <laughs> do we just want to save it for next time? I'm just showing you. Okay, here we go. Cordy said, "Ah shit!" NGL, they look a little in them. Uh oh. Courtney just did the the gay hand. <laughs> Boy, let um, me zoom my screen. Uh, look at that. Oh, I I want to say maybe we have. Yeah, Dude, these like guys look have. hella gay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> These are the gayest pictures. Oh my god. <laughs> Holy shit, man! The, the Alavi stock photo. <laughs> okay that's enough for now um thank you everyone uh maybe we'll get we will we're gonna spend a week to unpack those images <laughs> I know, i'll be looking at them every day <laughs> <laughs> goodbye everyone bye hello um it's editing courtney everyone's favorite um Courtney, no, this is your least favorite Courtney. Uh, but I just wanted to say happy birthday to Beck and Cage memes. Uh, Zach and I recorded our messages separately. Uh, so this is mine. 
but happy birthday you seriously have been you know a supporter of the podcast since literally day one i remember waking up to the first meme dump and the instagram uh dms like the day after we dropped the first episode and we were like what the hell are we doing and uh, I think I cried. So uh, you have made me cry laughing many times. You will continue to do it because you're just that funny. And I hope you have a wonderful birthday. You're such a nice person. We're so lucky to have you as a listener and as a friend. So enjoy your birthday. And uh, keep me <laughs> Bye. Hey. Happy birthday. Beck and Cage memes. We just... <laughs> We we just refer to you by your your social alias, but that's okay. I mean, you know me. I change my name online like every two weeks. Anyway, I, we, me and Courtney, Courtney and I, just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Oh, was that a good re- happy birthday? I don't know. I'm doing this. This this is all live, but uh, <laughs> just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Like for real. I mean, was there to say you've literally been there like from the beginning? You're like the OG, like one of the realest listeners. You make memes for us. You hit us up on social. And you love D&D, which is, like, super rad. You love D&D and Beck, which is, like, the raddest things someone can love, at least as, like, a friend of me. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so for real, just happy birthday. I feel like I'm not saying that with, like, enough energy. Happy birthday, for real. I hope you have an amazing day today and love you so much and yeah okay uh i guess that's it (laughs) okay bye now